Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, we look back at the team of the season so far. We discuss the ins and outs at various Bundesliga teams, including managerial changes at Mainz Union at Köln and perhaps Borussia Dortmund as well in one way or the other. Also, we'll be answering some of our subscribers' questions and look forward to what 2024 has in store for the German national team. Hello, dear listeners. I'm Rafael Honigstein. And I am Christoph Biermann. And I'm afraid I have a bit of an announcement to make. Um, we have to start at the end because this will be, yes, I know, the final episode of Being Honey. We couldn't quite make it work, unfortunately. Despite all your help, all your lovely, encouraging messages, your subscriptions, your ultra memberships, it just wasn't viable enough. Um, there's a big number of people that uh, we will thank later on for their support, without whom we couldn't have made it this far to begin with. But I'm afraid to say what you're about to listen to is going to be the last ever episode of Beer and Honey. Okay, on that happy note, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, start with looking at what happened at Köln where one of the most secure managers, or so we thought a little while ago, along with Urs Fischer, perhaps ironically, uh, got his marching orders. Stefan Baumgart of Köln had to bite the bullet just before Christmas. We talked about that scenario happening, but did it still possess a bit of shock value when you saw the news? Um. Yes, it did, um, especially in connection with the transfer ban um, that um, that now uh, Cologne is facing. The next two transfer windows will be closed for um, FC Cologne. And um, when we talked last time, I think our impression was uh, keep the manager and buy some players. <laughs> and now is uh, they lost the manager and can't buy any players and can't loan any players and whatever, so can't change uh, their squad to the better. And um, I, I have my doubts um, if this combination will lead to any good. Um, Christian Keller, um, the, the CEO, if you like, at, at FC Cologne, um, he tried to uh, changed the atmosphere from from the from from this point on and said, uh, yeah, everybody might have the feeling that it's an absolute low point and so on. But um, now there is a, a, a chance to uh, turn things round, new opportunities and so on. But it was like it sounded so much like whistling in the dark. I don't know. Whistling in the dark, good fo football Deutsch, um, Fußball Deutsch, learning Fußball Deutsch. Having said that, that's not even a footballing expression, but people who try to distract themselves from their own fears uh, in this particular case. But it's what, 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 what you, so you wouldn't say whistling in the dark? What would you say in, in proper English? What's the equivalent? Can't think of one at the moment. It might come to me a bit later. Uh, anyway, uh, things are pretty bleak. For Köln, I think the combination, the one-two. Do you think, by the way, there was a, a link between those two decisions? Were Köln aware that the decision from from Kass would come and would would knock them out as far as their transfer activities were concerned, or was it uh, pure coincidence? Um, actually, I don't know. I I would like to know, um, but it. I had a bit the. I had the impression that they already already knew what was coming, um, although they uh, made the impression of being very uh, surprised and angry and frustrated and, and so on. But um, yeah, um, it's a dubious case, but um, 
uh, I think um, Cologne in a way was maybe prepared for, for what uh, was coming. And so, um, but I, I, I still, I still don't get it. Um, what, what might be the effect um, of, of this managerial change in Cologne? And um, still, we don't know um, uh, who it will be. Interestingly, there is a lot of talk of uh, caretaker managers from, from the um, uh, uh, coaching team so far. Um, Andre Pavlak, for example, also Ste Stefan Rutenberg, who, who was a, a caretaker manager several times in, in, the, um, in the past, who is coaching the under-21 team and, and so on. Um, uh, Cologne wants to have a, a coach that is not a Feuerwehrmann, but somebody who will, can lead them into the future. And maybe it, it sounds a bit like... Yeah, yeah, we know it could also be the second division. This uh, future, what, what the future um, might uh, bring to uh, to Cologne. So, so a strange situation, and um, and I think uh, a lot of depression in in Cologne concerning their football club. Mm. Well, Stefan Baumgart in an interview with with Bill said he he wasn't aware that. Köln would, would receive a transfer ban the day after making the decision. And he was very adamant that it was a mutual uh, decision rather than him getting sacked, that he also agreed that perhaps a change was necessary, which, which is slightly unusual uh, for managers, but perhaps reflects their special relationship. Um, yeah, but, but, but maybe it's, this is a trend of the season so far. Uh, amicable splits. I mean, we had it with Bo Svensson, we had it with Urs Fischer, and now we have it with Steffen Baumgart. Um, so um, um, everybody at these clubs loved the manager um, on uh, the supporters, but also within the club and the the players and and so on. Uh, and and you can see it from what happened afterwards because nobody is saying a bad word about them. Uh, not not even behind closed doors. So um, and uh, but um, maybe the uh, the similarity between the three cases is that all the three managers also felt worn out or washed out and and tired and maybe uh, had the feeling that they didn't have an any new ideas to to turn things around and uh, yeah but yeah I, I find it pretty remarkable when you look at what um uh, what what when near uh, what normally happens when uh, managers are sacked and uh, replaced and and so on it's it's not as romantic and complex as in these uh, three cases no and i think we should make the point that those three managers would have been among the most highly rated in the league before the start of the season. They're working, of course, in, in different ways, but all looking as if they might be taking their team to more success. I mean, there were very few indications that Urs Fischer would, would struggle so much after the fantastic work he's done. And Bo Svensson had a real impact at Mainz when he came in. And things fell apart uh, quite dramatically. Do you have an explanation for, for what's happened there? Is there a link? Is there a common theme of why things haven't, haven't worked out for these three guys? No, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. I think the uh, cases are uh, completely different. I mean, especially if you compare Fischer and, um, and, and Steffen Baumgart. Um, Steffen Baumgart lost two of his most important players. Uh, they, the, the club didn't probably replace uh, them. Um, where Urs Fischer got uh, a lot of new players uh, and keeping the ones uh, who brought him into the Champions League and uh, things didn't click and uh, work together. So there's a very very different uh, a story and and also this um, this of um, minds is so it's, it's not not fitting in, into the patterns of the two others so uh, no um, I think it's uh, um, the way uh, how they are, they left is similar but um, the underlying uh, stories are completely 
different. Um, and what are the prospects uh, finally for these uh, for these three teams? We talked about Köln; they're in trouble. Transfer ban is not going to help. Um, are Mainz going to do better under Jan Sievert? And then what's in store for Union? You think under Nena Bielica? I think uh, Cologne is 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 really in, in big trouble now, um, and because I think it's also um, for everybody. Uh, this combination of transfer ban and and um, and uh, Steffen Baumgart uh, not, not there anymore, I think is a is a big blow emotionally um, also, and I think it will be very difficult to turn uh, things round. Uh, when it comes to Union, mm, uh, I I have my doubts um, about the new manager because I can't see any idea so far um, but he has uh, um, if you compare the the team uh, with Cologne or Darmstadt or even Heidenheim there is much better quality at hand I think we will see some not minor changes rather bigger changes in in um, now in the transfer window it's um, almost clear that um, Leonardo Bonucci will leave after half a year um, and uh, probably return back to Italy. Uh, there are also a, a lot of um, th uh, uh, signs uh, showing into the direction that Geraldo Becker is leaving. And um, uh, I think there will players come in. And um, so uh, I, I think it, uh, finally Union Berlin will, will end up um, in safety when it comes to um, uh, relegation, uh, but not too far above it. Um, and and Mainz, um, uh, Jan Sievert is now taking taking over. He, he's got a, interestingly, um, they gave him a long contract until 2026. And um, I, I think, um, <clears throat> I, I think one, uh, it helped a lot that he won this point at Borussia Dortmund um, also. And in that game, you could see um, there is enough quality in the uh, Mainz team to stay in the Bundesliga. And uh, maybe via um, relegation uh, matches or so, um, but I th see um, uh, Mainz as, as a team that should stay in the Bundesliga in the end. Mm, okay. Uh, one manager who is still in charge, um, at least at the time of recording this, is of course Edin Terzic. There was a big crisis meeting after the final game in 2023, which was against Mainz, their bête noire uh, in recent months. They could only uh, draw once more and Edin Terzic was in trouble, or so it seemed, but the The Borussia Dortmund bosses have decided that he shall get a chance to turn things around in the second half of the season, as he did, of course, in rather splendid fashion last season, when they were just a point away from winning the German Bundesliga. Um, but we are hearing, Christoph, that Dortmund might insist that he might get some help in uh, Nuri Sahin. And perhaps Sven Manibenda as well, coming back as assistant coaches. Two integral players of the uh, first Bundesliga winning team of Jurgen Klopp in 10-11. Uh, uh, can they make a big difference? And what does it say about Terzic's reign that suddenly, halfway through the season, new assistant coaches are arriving? Yeah, uh, with a little help from some friends. <laughs> um, interesting move, um, actually. Um, Nuri Sahin, um, uh, he, he, he is very popular among Borussia Dortmund uh, supporters um, still. Um, he has been a coach at uh, Antalya Sports in, in, in Turkey, in the um, highest league in, in Turkey. And he hasn't been the assistant coach, but he has been the manager. He has been the boss. And so it's, it's a, so I, I was thinking, ah, here we are again. Um, we had Edin Terzic kind of on the bench when Marco Rose was um, 
was a manager at, at Borussia Dortmund. Uh, in, he was in the stand, to be fair, but <laughs> yeah, so metaphorically so on the bench. Yeah, yes. that's what I meant. Metaphorically on, on the bench, he was a kind of, I, I, I for, forgot what his title was. Uh, so um, I talked once about it, uh, about it with him and he, was, he saw him, himself as somebody who helped the, the coaches uh, in the club. So... But uh, I don't know if his um, just pure existence was helpful for Marco Rose because always everybody was thinking, yeah, but but maybe Eden Tessic would be better. And now you have uh, Nuri Schein, um who has already been a, a, a first team coach. I don't know if that uh, if that helps, but and I don't uh, know whose idea was it, and and if it was uh, forced upon Edin Terzic or if it uh, was something that he he wanted. I, I think he will he will tell uh, that he is very happy and uh, for, for every support he will get in the future. Blah blah blah. But uh, yeah, uh, not not a very uncomplicated thing. No, not uncomplicated, and a question of trust perhaps arising as well. Yeah, I mean, will will Terzic see that as as real help, a support, or are these guys just um, Shine and or Bender just there to pick up the pieces when Dortmund decide to to pull the trigger or to pull the plug? On, on Terzic, so it's, it's an uncomfortable situation. Um, we, we also have um, um, take a look at our mailbag uh, today and we got a question um, from Karen Govindia and <laughs> uh, and that connects here to, to the Borussia Dortmund uh, situation and listening to your podcast I always find both of you quite harsh on BVB. You don't seem uh, as critical um, uh, with other clubs who are deeply underperforming like Wolfsburg and Schalke. Naja, Schalke actually, yeah, they are massively underperforming. We're not talking about the second division. Why this? Are you comparing them to the glory days of Ricken versus Juve or Klopp's team where it is now, obviously, they uh, he performed miracles? Tja. Are we unfair to Borussia Dortmund? Do we have to look into the in into into the mirror and say ah, we should be nicer to to Borussia? I don't know. I think that Borussia Dortmund, by their own standards, are quite critical with with what they have achieved or haven't achieved in recent in recent years. They are by some distance the second biggest team in the Bundesliga. They are the second wealthiest team in the Bundesliga. And they haven't always been the second best team in the Bundesliga, let alone giving Bayern any real trouble. And of course, Bayern's dominance is such that we shouldn't really expect Dortmund to win trophies ahead of Bayern. But I think Dortmund's own standards, I'm sure are higher than 27 points after 16 match days, which is just not nowhere near enough for a team who wants to challenge and might not be enough for a team to get into the top four of the, Bund of, of the Bundesliga and into the Champions League. So are we harsh with them? Maybe, but I think we're fair because Dortmund should be doing better. Not vis-a-vis -vis Bayern, not necessarily, I don't think we can expect Jurgen Klopp type miracles from them at this point, but we can expect them to play to their potential. And I think they are undershooting their potential. Not as badly as Schalke. <laughs> Not nearly as badly as Schalke. <laughs> Wolfsburg, I don't know. They don't have the same fan base and, and finance and... I don't think we can really put them in the same bracket. Uh, I, 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 I think Dortmund themselves, Dortmund themselves, I think, have been quite critical with their own performances in recent weeks. And we've just um, added our little voices to that. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think uh, Borussia is selling uh, themselves also to their... Uh, to, to, to their um, sponsors and so as the number two in Germany the Bayern Jäger and and so on and they are far at, right now they are far from being number uh, two they are number five actually 
and um, there is a gap to the uh, to the Champions League uh, uh, spots. So um, the dis uh, situation is bad at Borussia Dortmund right now. I would say concerning the Bundesliga and Wolfsburg. I think it's a good point because I think they are um, um, they are massively underperforming and. And still, I'd like to remember, because it also happened in year 2023, they lost their European place at home in the last game of the season against an already relegated Hertha team who played with a lot of youth players. And um, I mean, that was the, I mean, it was all overshadowed by the Uh, Borussia Dortmund not winning the German Championship and, and so on, but, but that was, I mean, uh, that was a massive blunder. And already this season, I, I think they are also underperforming. And when you, when you um, uh, look at their financial, financial muscle, I think they are probably um, in, the, in the top six, at least, uh, with what they spent on the team. Um, yeah, they are. Um, uh, Karen is right. Um, we should be more critical of them, but on the other side, nobody cares. Not many people care. <laughs> okay, we have another uh, question coming from Apana Mishra, and and he is um, asking us about Timo Werner. Please discuss. In hindsight, should he have waited to play under Klopp? Can he revive his uh, career? Oh. The vanished man. I, I mean, it's hard to explain how, how and why he's lost form so much after that fantastic season under, under Nagelsmann at Leipzig, where he scored, I think, 28 goals. Um, hasn't worked out for him. It's clear that he is a player that needs the confidence. And at the moment, he is in one of those catch-22 situations where he's not playing well enough to get the backing of the manager to play him every week. But without that backing and playing every week, he doesn't pick up the confidence again. Mm. So what can he do? Can he go to, a, to an easier club to get back into the starting 11? It might, might be the only way because... Leipzig have a lot of firepower and they don't need him at the moment. Or definitely not as a starter. Maybe as an impact, impact sub. And uh, I think if Julian Nagelsmann were to appoint his uh, players for the Euros tomorrow, Timo Werner wouldn't be on the list. Yeah. Um, and I think you're absolutely right that um, Timo Werner immensely depends on the on the emotional atmosphere, positive emotional um, atmosphere. So he is not the kind of guy who is um, uh, doing it against all odds and, and so on and so on. And um, yeah, he needs to be cuddled in a, in a way. And, uh, but uh, as you said, Marco Rosa has no real reason right now to cuddle him much uh, because... Um, Uh, we don't see much of him right now. So, and normally we would say it's, um, hey, they should send him on loan to, some, to somewhere to regain his confidence and, and, and so. But where could that be? Would that be a, 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 a move? I mean, w w w would you send him on loan to where? To Bochum? To Hoffenheim? Or to... Burnley? I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I don't think any of them could pay could pay his wages. So yeah, that's there might be another problem. Yeah, but but uh, in this situation, very often um, the clubs who um, uh, pay half of it or subsidize subsidize it uh, in the and hoping uh, that things improve. But whatever. Um, An interesting uh, question <laughs> comes from Mika Lucky uh, via via Twitter or X as we call it right now. Will the fans in Hoffenheim enjoy the home games as much as the other one? It's <laughs> it's um, 
Yeah, it's um, not 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 much going on in in Hoffenheim when there is uh, when there are home games, at least not against the not so big names uh, of uh, on the Bundesliga. Um, do do we can we offer some support or help here? Mm, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, the the local crowd, the local fan base seems to have fallen out of love with Hoffenheim a little bit, which is. Hard to explain because they're doing really well and they have a really good chance of getting into Europe. Maybe even an outside chance of getting into the Champions League is going to be pretty tough, but it's not impossible to do it a second time. Um, but they don't seem to be very enthused by this team or by the club at the moment. Uh, gaping, gaping holes in, uh, in home games and of course in away games. Uh, the team can almost say thank you to every every supporter uh, personally after matches yeah I don't, I don't know what's going on there but it's it's hard to explain from the outside looking in Mika also has a fantastic question and I think you're the right man to answer it why does VfL Bochum end up in the upper half of the table why <laughs> yes uh, I don't know um, do they end up in the upper half of the table? That would be a, at least that will be a fantastic achievement. And I think uh, next season it could happen. Yes, if they if they stay or if they go down. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, the other, the only, the only answer as a hobby probabilist uh, I could give is look at the. Um, Uh, expected points table uh, and and okay. there you find I think Bochum on on seven or so and six or seven and um, and and um, so my dream is that uh, Bochum is catching up from the probability probability uh, table to the real table in the second They're part. They're six, the best team. Yeah. In expected points. Yes. Wow. I'm that surprised. comes uh, as a surprise, yes. That and comes as a huge surprise. Yeah, because they had a lot of. Who who who's the man behind this particular model? Is that Katsuzumdik? <laughs> no, that is, um, I think, the Russian company Understat, and uh, they uh, prove. Yeah, they, their they, model is not so great. I, I know it's it's. Um, I think it's it's not the top one. So um, so I, I I just sometimes peek a bit on it and think yeah maybe the model is better than we think but um, Bohm had a lot of draws and um, and some of them could have or should have been uh, wins and um, uh, so that is probably what the probability table is is telling us I but but I let's uh, let's don't get too deep into it um, Pete Charland um, uh, asked uh, a, a very funny one. What do you think is most likely for German football in 2024 and why? Um, <clears throat> if there's a time least likely would be interesting too. Uh, a. Die Mannschaft reached the final of the Euro 2024. Wow. Bayern win the Champions League. Wow. Stuttgart finish in the top four places. Wow. A non-Bundesliga team reaches the final of the DFB, the German Cup. Wow. How much wows will we see in the, in the real world? I start. Okay. Um, I'm almost sure that uh, Stuttgart will finish in the top four. If they don't sell Girassi, uh, that's what I would say. And I'm I'm almost sure that um, I mean mathematics at work here um, that a non-Bundesliga team reaches the final of the uh, DFB Pokal, as so many non-Bundesliga teams are still in the in the competition. So Bayern win the Champions League, Raphael? Question mark. Not impossible. I'd like him to buy uh, a top defender, 
They can play right back and center back, ideally. They have a chance. The, you, you, you don't want the, the, the famous holding midfielder. You're not so keen on the holding midfielder. You rather I'm want keen to... on the holding midfielder as well, but I think the problem in defense is, is more acute. With um, Min Jae Kim leaving to the Asia Cup and Nuzer Masrai leaving to, the, to AFCON. And uh, anyway, there are not being a lot of players there to begin with. I think that uh, that's the biggest, uh, biggest issue. If they can bring in a holding midf top top holding midfielder and uh, a centre back, even better. But I think they will probably focus on on defensive reinforcements. And yeah, I think they're not favourites, but they're not far off the very best teams. How far off is die Mannschaft? That, I think, is not known as the Mannschaft anymore, but simply as a German national team <laughs> of the uh, final of the Euro 2024 in Germany. I think they're quite, a <laughs> quite <laughs> far off. Um, I'd be happy if they make it into the quarterfinals. I think that's a, a realistic target. And at the same time, probably the minimum that would be seen as acceptable by the German public. Um, it could be over sooner. Yeah, if they don't win their group, um, they will play the second from the uh, Spain-Croatia-Italy group, which is uh, pretty, pretty difficult. And uh, it could be over in the last 16 already. So... I'm, I'm hoping that they can just take it step by step and make it into the quarterfinals. Yeah, and my hope is um, that they manage to get rid of this um, invisible burden playing for the national team. Um, um, uh, we at El Freunde um, uh, recently had an interview with Antonio Rüdiger and, and he, he mentioned it also. Uh, <laughs> um, and so there is something uh, um, around the national team for quite a while now where um, that uh, lets the performance of, of uh, players decline and nobody really knows uh, what it is. And it's not in every game, but, but it happens here and then. It's, um, uh, as we have seen, it uh, didn't have only to do with the, with the manager, um, because it happened again also under, under Julian Nagelsmann. And um, um, yeah, so uh, the German national team is a, a team that is underperforming um, for, for quite a while now compared to um, uh, what, what they should be possible uh, to do and um, how they could play. And uh, I, my biggest hope is, and that is not so much about results only, but they, uh, that they, um, they, they come, find themselves again also. It it's sounds a bit um, miraculous, but, um, um, but, but that, that's uh, uh, what is needed most. Hmm. And is the return of Tony Cross needed as well? Uh, his name is being mentioned by Julian Nagelsmann and uh, being discussed. Yeah, we have, we have also have a, a question from uh, uh, Tom via X. Um, he is asking, is it a good or a bad thing? And uh, does it spur bad news for, for Kimmich? Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he is really needed as a as a as a player uh, because but yes I mean if he comes back with all his experience maybe he could be the player who uh, to help change the the atmosphere around although I mean um, he was around um, when things uh, didn't work well for example in in uh, already in Russia in, in 2018 so, um, I mean, Tony Kroos still is a fantastic player. I, I love to see him. And um, so I wouldn't be unhappy to see him in the, um, in the German national team. Um, 
but we shouldn't see him as a savior or, or so. Um, I think uh, that would be unfair to him uh, also. But I think, yes, um, he, he could help because uh, maybe this team needs an, a, a kind of elder statesman player. Um, uh, there, are, there is, um, with Mats Hummels, um, could also take this role possibly, but uh, maybe not giving his position. But um, yeah, maybe that's also part of the thinking of Julian Nagelsmann to bring in uh, Toni Kroos, not, not only with his quality of distributing passes and his, his feeling for the rhythm of the game, this feeling for space and everything that makes him such a fantastic player, one of the best players in the history um, of German football. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and Julian Nagelsmann, in a very interesting interview, hinted at uh, Schuster Kimmich playing his right back in March. Uh, he said that Ikai Gündogan might be playing uh, slightly further up in a number 10 role in front of two holding midfielders. Um, that leaves very little space for the wide array of attacking talent that Germany have. Um, uh, Havertz no longer as left wing back. That experiment is over. So not a lot of places for Musiala, Wirtz, Sane... Gnabry, Füllkrug perhaps. Um, on paper, it's only three spots for all these players. Interesting, very interesting what will happen in March. Also interesting, um, we wanted to pick our team of the season so far. And... Uh, who do you have in goal? Christoph, I think we have the same player in goal because he is head and shoulders above everybody else. And his name is Gregor Kobel. I looked at the numbers and then I... On Understat? No, <laughs> on the FB ref. And uh, Marvin Schwebel would be the, the guy. Um, yeah, when such a hipster choice. <laughs> um, but I, I picked Alexander Nübel. Uh, actually, oh. be because mm -hmm. I think he is um, he is also instrumental in in this change at uh, Stuttgart. Not not only because he was um, such uh, winning them points with a lot of fantastic uh, uh, goalkeeping extravaganza, but but um, but he he was uh, he was a kind of backbone in goal that Stuttgart was uh, was lacking in, in the years before that. And um, he has charisma and I think um, <laughs> he could be a, he, he could be a good goalkeeper for Bayern. That's my guess. But uh, um, <clears throat> but anyhow, um, who do you have in in um, in defense? I guess not too many Bayern players. No Bayern player. One former Bayern player has made it. Okay. Uh, Mats Hummels is in there. Okay. Next to Jonathan Tarr. Mm -hmm. And the dynamic wingback duo, who in my system will have to play fullbacks, um, Frimpong and Grimaldo. Uh, I also have uh, Frimpong and Grimaldo because I think it's... Um, it's uh, pretty obvious um, that they were fanta both fantastic. Although I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a bit more fascinated by Grimaldo, probably because he's also uh, a, a fantastic taker of, of, of free kicks and, and um, set pieces and so on. But my um, cento, uh, two uh, central defenders are Odilon Kosonu and... Waldemar Anton at Stuttgart. Yeah, I thought about Anton, yeah. I, I, pff, he's also... Um, I mean, there are some players uh, that, um, that have a great season at uh, Stuttgart right now. I mean, Chris Führig is another example. But um, I, I always liked uh, Anton, uh, even, even in the... 
in the dark days of last season, I think he was he was one of the most reliable players uh, Stuttgart had, and I I think he is he is excellent, and the same is true for uh, Kosunu. And uh, yes, I was also thinking about Mats Hummels, and uh, because he yeah he is the best Mats Hummels in in recent years. I think he is very driven. Um, by the opportunity to play a big tournament in his home country again. And so, yeah, he, he, he could also um, uh, be in the team. Who is your number six or your two number sixes? Or, do you, or don't you have a number six? Um, who, is, is, who is showing up in midfield? I have one number six. It's a slightly wonky system. Mm -hmm. It's a 4-1-3-1-1. Okay. Um, and that is Granichaka. Not because I interviewed him the other day, <laughs> but uh, because he has been absolutely outstanding in this position, in the best team in the league. So who else but, but Granit? Um, I have him. I have him also, and um, I think he is also the best version of himself right now. So he is not. I, I think he is better um, as uh, his time in in Arsenal. I read uh, uh, the conversation you had with him, and um, and I think my impression is uh, he would agree in, in in a way. And having matured, maybe. Being out of the spotlight, um, I mean, yes, there um, is a huge interest in Bayer Leverkusen, but if it, you compare it to what's going on on a club like uh, Arsenal, I think it's it's uh, it must feel for him like being uh, going a step back in um, uh, concerning media attention and general attention and so on. And I think it was very helpful of him. He looks very calm, cool, not as hot-headed as we knew him uh, from the past. So, yeah, a fantastic player. Okay, who else is in your midfield? My three attacking midfielders are Xavi Simons, Florian Wirtz and Leroy Sané. Same as me. Ah, you're an expert, Christoph. What can I say? <laughs> Um, Florian Wirtz, probably um, the best player in the Bundesliga right now. Or no, no, best player is always. Um, but I would say um, uh, most enjoyable player in the Bundesliga right now yes. because I, I think it's I, it, it, it's a dream uh, to to see him play and and, and it's also great. Um, that uh, I mean, it took took some time after he had his big injuries with the cruciate ligament, and now 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 he is um, where we can expect him to be. And um, I, I think in the in the system of um, Xabi Alonso, it's perfect for him, and and we can be very happy that he now seems to have completely recovered from his heavy injury. Um, he had a cruciate ligament and now uh, this is all history and forgotten and we can see the best Florian Wirtz uh, we can see. And um, and we also, I think, see the best Leroy Sané we, we, we could see. He's the best version of himself. Yes. And, um, and, and also what I like about him this season and, and I think already... Uh, towards the end of last season, um, uh, he doesn't stop. So it's not this up and down, sometimes great, sometimes fantastic, sometimes to be forgotten. And, um, and uh, so there is a steadiness in his performance that is also very, uh, very impressive. And yeah, and Xavi uh, Simmons, um, the little, the little, diminutive uh, midfielder uh, on loan from PSG and um, what a player what a player yeah and uh, amazing player I'm just so sad that he's going to go back to PSG because I'd love to see him more in the Bundesliga yeah maybe so enjoyable 
And, but but I, I I think it's uh, there is no no argument um, why he should stay in the Bundesliga. I think PSG will be happy to get him back. Um, and um, yeah, so um, there are two two more places up front, and I would think we again agree. But let's see, who do you have? I have um, two strikers <laughs> <laughs> who have lit up the league, uh, Christoph, and I don't think their names uh, will come as a huge surprise. Um, a certain Harry Kane in the nine and a half role, just behind goal sensation Sergio Girassi. Totally agree. Obviously, I mean, it's a. I would say it's a no-brainer. Um, two fantastic stories of the season so far. Uh, Girassi, uh, amazing, but um, Harry Kane. I mean, this guy is is fantastic, and uh, and I think he um, he is already also very popular over here in Germany because he seems to be a very nice and humble and a guy, a very ordinary, and and so on. I don't know if you read the um, interview, <laughs> a strange, strange interview on the sports pages of Süddeutsche Zeitung. They interviewed the um, the boss of the hotel where Harry Kane uh, stayed in Munich. It's a Mandarin Oriental, uh, a, a, a so one of these top, 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 uh, I don't know, five, six, seven stars hotels where or, or also uh, Michelle Obama and the Queen. Um, have uh, spent uh, nights and there um, Harry Kane um, until recently now I think he found a house where we, he can live um, had a, an apartment or a 120 square meter suite uh, where he stayed and uh, where his uh, wife and kids sometimes or often came to visit and his family and so on and in a very a tabloid way <laughs> Süddeutsche interviewed uh, uh, this hotel manager about him and he was raving about how humble and nice Harry Kane was, never uh, asking for special extra, always eating sushi and sashimi in the evening and um, not eating any so they built him an Allianz Arena in, in chocolate but he he gave it back, uh, so he didn't. Uh, he didn't eat it, and uh, and uh, um, he knew the the people who were working um, in the hotel by their name and uh, said goodbye. And so, so you, what I wanted to say: there is a story evolving that uh, Harry Kane is not only a fantastic uh, football player, a goal machine, but also. A very uh, likable uh, person, and uh, yes, and I think he has won over um, the hearts of, of uh, many football fans in, in Germany with his quality. And um, I mean, <coughs> uh, players at Borussia, uh, at Bayern uh, Munich, uh, not necessarily tend to be humble and, 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 and nice and so on so uh, or, or that it comes to to uh, mind first when you talk about them so uh, yeah a, a great story uh, about Harry Kane yeah and on and off the pitch a real role model yeah for this Bayern team um, we Cero Girassi Cero Girassi um, uh, what I like about this story, so we, we, we have a guy here who has um, spent his days also, I, I wouldn't say in the wilderness of, of football, but he has played some uh, second division football here and there and tried to make it to the top level and, and, and so on. And all of a sudden, uh, the famous knot is bursting and uh, out comes goals, 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 goals. And um, um, and you wonder, why didn't he score them before? Does he know? Was he treated badly, wrong? I don't know. I mean, 
very often people people saw something in him and signed him, but um, it worked, didn't work out as well. Uh, not nearly as well as it worked out uh, works out now in in Stuttgart. So yeah, this is also um, he is a late bloomer, uh, if you like, and. Um, It's not very often that you have this kind of uh, stories, especially not in this spectacular uh, way, uh, with him uh, scoring goals like non-stop. So yeah, that's also a heartwarming story, uh, and um, and uh, and it says that um, yeah, you 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 can. Um, Increase your performance even if you're getting older on the football on the football pitch. And off it, Christoph. And off it. Yeah. Like you and me. <laughs> yeah. And um, <clears throat> uh, before we go, finally, I think we there are a, a lot of people we would like to say thank you to. I would I would like to start with with um, with 10 of our um, supporters that uh, were there or are there since day one. And that was the 7th of November in 2022. And it's Ryan Garza, Derek Mais, Karen Govindia, Raymond Taylor, Chris Sullivan, Florian Hollenbach, Sian Fitzpatrick, Markus Unger, Jim Hanks und... Carsten zum Felde. And I think uh, we need a big, big extra thank to George Clark. Absolutely. George kept us afloat with his very, very, very generous uh, help over the course of the last uh, year on two occasions. Uh, thank you very much, George. I'm sorry we couldn't make it work uh, beyond 2023. But without you, we might have caved in a little bit earlier still. So we owe you a tremendous gratitude um, for your support. And really for all, all of you out there, whether you were ultras or casual listeners, it's been a real pleasure recording uh, Beer and Honey. It's a little bit sad that it's coming to an end, but maybe Christoph and I And of course, producer York, who deserves just as much um, appreciation and our heartfelt thanks for all his tireless efforts, can somehow resurrect this little project and turn up under a different guise. Uh, let's see what happens. But for the time being, thank you very much. Have a lo lovely, lovely 2024. This was Raphael Honigstein. And this was Christoph Biermann, and we say farewell. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast. <laughs>